This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host once again. But this time it's different. We won a football match. Palace beating Chelsea 2-1. We don't score. We, you know, we don't have any points. So we just wait and wait and wait until the exact right moment. And it's when the champions visit, of course. That's when you get your first goals and points of the season. Anyway, we'll uh, have our views in just a moment, reviewing everything from the game. But also want to hear from you today. Get in touch. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to find out all the ways you can get in touch with the show today. Check out the chat room as well. holradio.net forward slash chat. We'll introduce the panel in just a moment. But here is a short message. There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia, homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proud and Palace. And there we are, a seamless introduction. Uh, producer Sam doing a first live show today, and it's just gone so, so well. Let's see if we can ruin it now. Anyway, introduce the panel time. First of all, we have returning once again, Mr. Jell Holyoke. Hello. Oh, we have... Tim Warren. Good evening. I remembered your surname this time as well. Thank Do you remember you. that? Well, could that well, I just forgot. Oh, I'm getting used to it these days, to be honest. <laughs> as well, didn't he? It was good. Uh, did he? Yeah. yeah, anyway. <laughs> and uh, I know the housewife's favourite. It's Mr. DR Kerners. Hello, hello. <laughs> I don't know why I called you the housewife's favourite. I don't know if that just feels, feels right. <laughs> Uh, so that's the panel for today and a very special guest we have Mr Nick Philpot. no we don't have him on today that's a joke that is a that is a reference to a series of tweets <laughs> for the show uh, just having a little laugh there but uh, no, Nick's, uh, Nick's been doing the uh, preview shows and videos for us some people missing him and uh, I'm sorry if that was the case but uh, trying to give everyone a shout at the moment get everyone else involved as well so you get to know and love them as much as you love the others like tim for example tim barely does any shows right you've got to know, get to know tim hi tim you, you hello, hello. <laughs> that's tim <laughs> anyway <laughs> um, I've got another bit i want to cover before we get into the discussion uh dr in the pre-show chat while i was off making a couple of notes and stuff i heard you uh, offer free kebabs to mr joe holyoke do you realize what you've done um yeah i regret it now because he's telling me how he's going to tell his whole family that the council the weekends is going to keep going kebab shop so yep yeah, no, no, no just 
just to clarify, you know, Diaz family do do run a kebab shop in Bromley, is it? Yeah, Bromley. Yeah. Uh, cool. London called. Road. It's called Seven Stars. Seven Stars Kebab House. They're on Just Eat as well, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're gen- yeah. genuinely not sponsoring us. <laughs> this is my own amusement. But uh, if you want to help uh, the Arse family recover from the cost of free kebabs for Joe, then you can visit. <laughs> Donate. <laughs> and just buy them. You don't get a discount for mentioning Homestay Radio or anything like that. Maybe we could sort that out in the future, eh, dear? Maybe. Maybe a sponsorship. <laughs> Sometimes, if you're very lucky when you go in there, you might be served by the DR Kernas, because you occasionally work there as well, don't you? Yeah, I do on the weekends. <laughs> so if you want to come and murder me on the weekends, you can find me there. <laughs> Weekends are in a kebab house, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's packed. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Just get out of the way. Jelly, you uh, you're pretty happy about this free kebab business, aren't you? What 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 is going to be your kebab of choice when you first visit DR? Free food, free food, mate. <laughs> Don't matter what it is, as long as it's free. Anything. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, listen, we're a little bit giddy, as you can tell, because we're going to be talking about a, a, a Palace win for the first time in what well, it is an extremely long time. First time since May the 14th uh, was the last time Palace won a, uh, a game in the Premier League. And obviously that's what we review every week. So uh, kind of difficult to know how to start. <laughs> Usually we have to get straight into some complaining and all that kind of stuff. But I think obviously the logical place to begin as it always is to talk a little bit about the the lineup and the setup that Roy Hodgson went with. So obviously the the, the team came out and you're immediately thinking, well, who's who's playing up front? How are we how are we going to accommodate all those wingers, all that kind of stuff? And straight away it was very clear from the off that we had quite a quite a fluid formation. It was it began as a four four two with uh, Zaha and Townsend playing up top and looking to stretch, but. Quite often, you had one of those. At least one of those players would sort of tuck into the midfield and, and make a really, really solid kind of uh, you know five-man midfield. And as a result of that, Jeffrey Schlupp, who was playing on the left-hand side, quite often uh, sort of found his way uh, in, you know into the middle of the pitch. And just a very, very exciting, fluid, fluid midfield. And I was you know delighted to uh, delighted to see us playing some really, really intense, quick, moving football. It was just so good. You know, we kind of. Everything that we thought De Boer was going to come in and deliver, you know, Roy Hodgson's done it in a in a four week period. Played an absolute blinder. So let's talk a little bit first of all, gents, about that uh, that front two of Zaha and Townsend. And I'm going to give you the chance to start us off, Tim. You know, when you saw it, we saw it was going to happen. Did you think it would be as effective as it was? No, and I must admit, I, I kept refreshing my Sky Sports app, and it kept changing the formation on there as well. So. Um, I was keen to see who was going to be the top man, and I assumed it would be Wilf. But then, obviously, like you say, it was Wilf, Wilf and Townsend. Um, so I never saw that coming at all until literally we kicked off, or it might have even been Chelsea kicked off. But once the game started, you got an idea of the, you know, what was to come, and it was, uh, it was, it was great. It was inspired. Yeah, that's, that's a great word for it. Inspired. You kind of saw saw an interview during the midweek where uh, it was actually with Andros on the the, the main Palace sort of TV channel. And uh, he was talking sort of like a little glint in his eye when he was talking about how they were going to cope without Benteke and, you know, that they were forwards at the club and it'd be interesting to see what they came up with. And as it turned out, that little glint in his eye was because it was him, him and him and Will playing on top. Uh, Joe as well. There was, it was obviously a lot to do with the running of those two as well, which is why it was so effective. Well, pace is always going to worry Chelsea at the back, always. But um, 
I mean, when I when I first saw that team, I just thought, I know we're playing sort of a similar kit to Barcelona, and sometimes Barcelona don't play a forward, but this is ridiculous. But then I remembered that Wilf is, you know, he, he used to be a centre forward before he was stuck out on the wing. So, and as we know, he he's got a great left foot, he's got a great right foot, and Brighton know that he's decent in the air. So <laughs> you know, it's um, I mean, he just he just looked. He looked, he looked great, didn't he? He just looked... I don't know whether it's... You know, you never say football is a one-man team, but but having them two up front terrorising, yeah, it just it, it give you your mojo back a little bit after the, yeah. you know, the start we've had. Yeah, definitely. And, I, you know, I, that's just, that's something that has occurred to me several times as well, that, I, you know, over the period that Wilf's been off, it's been so tempting just to say, look... You know, this guy is one of the best. You know, in the Premier League, not just not the, not just one of our best players. He's an absolutely top top player, and any team is going to struggle without him. And, and he makes such a difference to us. Again, we've mentioned it before, where you know he occupies at least a couple of players. You know, on, on the opposition team, and that that on its own, if he never touches the ball, makes a difference to everybody else. And it just seemed to to click for us against Chelsea. They, you know, they go into the game without Kante, who's usually a real thorn in our side in trying to break them down. They go into the game without Morata up front and, and you know, Batshui looks like he's really struggling to make an impact in that team. So there are a couple of things in our favour, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that we had this sort of divine right to go out there and out-football them. And particularly that first half, we out-footballed them. We, we were just better by... You know, a quite considerable distance at times. I didn't know what I was watching. You know, I saw saw Terence after the game, and, and I sat down. He's like, "What did you reckon of that?" And I didn't have an answer. I was just, I wasn't sure it actually happened. Dr, were you uh, were you struggling to believe what you were seeing? Yeah, I was actually shocked. But credit's due to Roy and the management team because over the international break and also this game, while we were attacking, they got everything just right. We were structured. Everyone knew what they were doing. And while we're attacking, we're putting balls over the top and using the pace of Townsend and Wilf just scared Chelsea. The, the defenders were just nervous every time you could see it when they had to face Wilf and um, Townsend on counter-attack. So I think it was brilliant by the management team. You have to give credit to you. And also by the players. They listened to the management team and they did what the, they were told. And yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I just... I mean, on that, you, you know, you're right to give credit where, it, where it's due in terms of the management team. And, you know, Roy talked about it being the culmination of four weeks' work rather than just the two over the international break. But it just shows you that that you know, if you've got if you've got a clear game plan that, that the team can really get behind, it it and it just frees them up. And obviously, the early goal was really important to get the confidence and the belief into the team and the system that they were playing. But you know, Roy, he had the upper hand, you know, with the media after the game. And I said that on Twitter. I was so happy to see him walk in there, be able to hold his head up high and say, look what I did, you know. You, you've been rubbishing me and, you know, Twitter's full of these funny photos of Roy's face when we concede or whatever and all this kind of stuff. And he's been mocked for, for ages. But he's a proper football manager and, and it deserves more Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ready, Jill. Yeah, I mean, whether he's on Twitter or not, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is because he dropped punching. Um, <laughs> so, so he's taking notice. Um, no, I mean, I, I tell you what I noticed first of all is, is that first everybody looked up for it, which which has been because we already through the last two or three seasons we've always had one or two players off their game, but everyone seems to seem to be on their game, and I always think it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a lift when you see certain players missing out of the opposition. I mean, to have Kenty missing out of, their, out of the centre midfielder, who I've, my personal opinion, he's, he's up there in the top three best centre midfielders in the world at the moment. I mean, he's just an unbelievable player. I thought, I thought he was fantastic. The, the best centre midfielder in, in the UK at the time when he played for Leicester. Now he's in the Chelsea. You know, they're talking about Real Madrid courting him now. Um, and then having Morata you know, missing as well. You know, that, that that's... It does, you know, it, it boded well for us to to see those players missing, but still with their class, they, you know, I'm not having it that they didn't turn up. I just think that that, that we were we were up for it, and when we're up for it, we can we can compete. Definitely, we, we you know, we'll talk a lot about this, I'm sure, but you know, it's very easy to say, oh, it was a poor Chelsea performance, but it wasn't that bad. Look at the stats, you know, they created plenty. You know, they had plenty of possession. They, they weren't terrible. We were just better. Tim? Well, also, I mean, the place was absolutely buzzing. When I turned up um, in the ground, you could just sense it was going to be a special occasion. Um, I think the team lineup with Spironi coming in, Wilf starting, because I wasn't sure Wilf was going to start. I, I had this feeling he might start on the bench. You know, we might go a bit sensible and, uh, and bring him on with half an hour to go or something. So... I think just those two players in the starting lineup just got everyone really up for it. The crowd just got behind the team from, you know, the moment um, you know we kicked off, and and it was just a fantastic atmosphere. And I think the players responded, and um, you know, the rest is kind of, you know, history. What happened really? Absolutely. Uh, Dale, you want to jump in there? Yeah, quickly going back to the midfielder point. I honestly believe that if we had punching in that team yesterday, it would have been a different story because. All three midfielders, Maka, Luka and Kobayad, they're all tracked back very well. They actually played a significant part in our defensive duties as well. So, honestly, when going forward, I honestly think we should stick punching out on the bench. And I think he should stay there. And if if I'm going to make one change, I'll bring in Loftus-Cheek instead of Maka. And I think that would be a fantastic three of midfielders. A park bench. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Depends. Well, I, I am not going to choose to disrespect Jason Punchin, but I do think it's right that he's that he's on the bench. I think he has been out of form and out of sorts, and I think this is exactly what we want. Right? This is about competition for places, people being pushed. You know, and you only have to look at Joel Ward yesterday, and I will come back to that. But Joel Ward is being pushed now by Fossu Mensa, and a lot of people think still think to today probably that the Fossi Mensa should be playing over him. But Ward put in his best performance in a long while yesterday. And I genuinely believe that that's to do with having someone there really pushing him for his place. He knows, he knows that he's out of that team. No one's safe if, if they're not, you know, at their very, very best. And that's a very good place to be. And, 
you know, let's let's hope that in January we can do a bit more with that squad and make sure it's uh, it's it's the same across the board because you're going to need people pushing Benteke as well. Uh, you know, he's he's got to know that he's not going to be picked just because he's the only fit striker and all that sort of stuff. And of course, we've now seen that there are other ways of playing when we haven't got him. So uh, very, very quickly, you go in there, dear. But I wanted to go back to Tim's point about the atmosphere just after that. Okay, uh, just a quick question. Um, do we, if Benteke is fit, he's not going to be fit for the Newcastle game, but let's say if he is fit, would you actually put him in the side? I personally wouldn't because you can see Townsend and Wilf, even though they're not strikers, they offer something different. If Benteke played yesterday, we wouldn't be able to do anywhere near what they've done because he's a slow player and Chelsea would have handled him. So when Benteke does come back, I honestly think he's going to have a serious competition. Um, oh. and I wouldn't put him in the side. Well, it's an, it's an interesting point. And obviously, if you, you want to tell us uh, your views at home as well, you can tweet us at HOL Radio. Or I think Joe's in the chat room. Are you, Joe? I am. And Jay Dog said, well, he had a good game yesterday. Yeah, he's absolutely right. So uh, you can talk to Jell in there as well. That's holradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, let us know your views on whether Benteke would play uh, now. If What do you think? I, I think uh, that, that DR, it's a good point, right? Because we've shown that we can play a different way. And I, I think it's a, it's interesting that I think if Benteke was fit, I think that's I think that really would play into Chelsea's hands a little bit with the three centre-backs. And, uh, you know, so I think, if anything, we were forced to play in a different way that worked perfectly. Um, but I'm not saying. But I also think that you know we've certainly got the ability to come up with a game plan that gets the best out of everyone. You know, it, but what's really, really interesting to me is it's something Danny Murphy picked out uh, when he talked about the way Roy Hodgson plays and how he sets teams up. He talked about the distances between players. So we had a front two in in uh, in Wilf and Townsend who were. As Wilf put it, running all over the gaff, which is one of my favourite comments ever in an interview. Uh, but they were often very, very close to each other, which really helps when you're trying to move, uh, you know, move a, move a team as a kind of unit. And if you look at some of the passing we, we did, that was all about the fact that there were multiple options for first and second touch passing all the time throughout the field. That's why we look like, you know, at times looks a little bit like Barcelona, as Joel sort of <laughs> indicated. It was fantastic to watch. It really was. But I'm going to take us quick, but quickly back to a, to a point that Tim was making about the atmosphere. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Tim. From the moment sort of, I walked into Sellers yesterday, it felt different. It felt, you know, people just, it just felt positive. Um, from from the first kickoff, where as you say, Spironi and, and Wilf got the heroes receptions that they usually get, that just sort of set the tone for the for the the crowd, and the team immediately responded, and that in turn lifted. You have that sort of domino effect where the team is playing well, so the crowd get up, and the crowd get up, so the team plays well, and uh, it's been the first time in a long, long time. And Nav got in touch with me earlier today and said, you know, what do you think that atmosphere and that that performance rates with sort of Chris Stambul and, and the Arsenal game last season you know since since we came up in terms of the atmosphere with the created and the feeling that with the ground and the, and the impressiveness of the, the the performance you know for me I would say atmosphere wise nothing beats how loud we got when when in, well I suppose probably from the moment the second goal went in in the Chris Stambul game where all of a sudden, you just knew. You knew we were going to get a third, and if it had gone any longer, we'd have got a fourth. And it was just deafening. So it was below that. Um, I think it was up there with the Arsenal game last season where we where we demolished Arsenal 3-0, I think, in the atmosphere-wise. But what I would say is, 
in terms of the style of the performance, it was better than that. You know, we we played a really below par Arsenal. You can definitely say that. Uh, and they're still persevering with his Shaka in midfield. He's just awful. You know, uh, terrible, terrible defensive midfielder. He's fine if he's on the ball, but can't defend. Whereas we're, you know, we, we kind of, they were easy pickings for us that day. But against Chelsea, it's a totally different ball game. It, we, we dominated huge spells of that game. And I, that's, that's how I feel about it now. It might have been because I've been waiting so long for a win. I don't know, but that's where I am on that. Uh, any other any views on how, how it ranked, Joe? What do you reckon? <clears throat> yeah. Well, what, the atmosphere? Yeah, definitely wasn't of, like yeah. Istanbul, without no. a doubt. No, I, I, it was a it was a good atmosphere. I mean, it, it, listen, this is the other thing as well. It, I, the ground was packed, even though it was the champions coming to town. But I, I think at, at a, a different lower side in the Premier League had the same starts for us. I think you'd have seen a lot of empty seats. You know, yes. Um, yeah. I think I think that they, you know our fans are so used to this. You know, we we used it. The adage, you know, roller coaster, but it just—it just is. It's just—it's just ridiculous supporting Palace. One minute, you know, one minute we lose to. I think the the the, the club that's bashed us, um, I think completely. I mean, you got to take the Champions League sides out of it as such, but I think the beating we took off of of um, of Huddersfield, you know, was was yeah. um, was probably the worst I've seen. Because they they out everything us, you know. You know, with with a mediocre side, that's what I was saying. If you take out City, United, um, Liverpool, I, I, I just think, you know, we we've we've been we've been beaten by better sides. So, but, you know, there, I, I don't think there are really many weak sides now. You know, I'm listening to I had to listen. I was at work today to listen to some stuff on the radio, and and some of the players are, you know. They're, they're, some of these smaller teams have really upped their game. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm 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 just pleased that, that that our fans have have stuck behind. You know, a little bit of we've got a little bit of what we want. We've got Jules back in goal. You know, because Hennessy's injured. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he got injured. Must be, I think it's his pride. But anyway, <laughs> um, he, he did take a knock for for Wales right at the end of the game. But I think he, it was he never yeah, took he a did. knock for us. He never dived in front of anyone, has he? <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, and Will's back, and and people can see some light at the end of the tunnel. And we still haven't had their best team out yet. You know, when you stick Fosamentson at right back, and then you stick RLC, I mean, you know, when you stick him in the middle, if we can have that team out, then I think we are a match for for probably fifteen of the teams in the Premier League. There we go. Uh, Dio, you want to come back in on the... Uh, we've got some comments on Facebook regarding the atmosphere. Yeah, we've got one comment from Daniel Apoku saying that the atmosphere was spurb yesterday. Got in early and felt it lively even then. Loved it. Reminded me of the Arsenal game for atmosphere. There you go. And it, it yeah, it's... You know, it's nice when... That, as I think Steve Parrish said it on Twitter, um, that it just felt like Palace again. It really did. You know, this again. We're not, we're not talking about just to emphasise a point. Really, we're not talking about us responding to the fact that we've beaten Chelsea. It was it was in anticipation. I don't. And again, I think if you'd individually asked people, most people would have said no chance. 
you know, I know we've got a few people in our, we've got a little prediction league going. I think Nick Philpot got it absolutely bang on. I think Lucy got a win bang on as well um, in our predictions. But but the rest of us went for a, for a loss. I went for a 4-0 defeat. So it was just, you know, I kind of, I think I still think a lot of people logically would have feared the worst. But, you know, I think once you got in the ground, and that's where I talk about the difference between when you're at, a, when you're at the stadium, when you're in, be it, you know, an away ground or be it at, at Sellers Park, when you're amongst those supporters, it's so different, the atmosphere and, and the attitude. You know, I heard a few negative comments on the way to the game, but most people were just looking forward to seeing Palace play. And uh, that's how it should be. And um, yeah, we get the get the reward for being positive. Uh, Paul Ashby got in touch on Twitter just to remind us that Big Sam played Wolf up top with Benteke at the bridge and we won against their back three. Very good point, Paul. You're absolutely right there. Saw that in some of the analysis today. On, I think it was on goals on Sunday because Big Sam was on there and talking that he did similar against uh, against Chelsea's back three. And it is. It's a good. It's a good way of overcoming. Uh, you know the sort of strength of a back three. If you give them no one to mark and you give give them people who are running the channels. I mean, how often was Gary Cahill having to drift out to sort of the left back or or right back areas? That's that's not where he wants to be defending. He wants to be defending in that box. You know, balls in the air, or a, you know, a lofted sort of sort of pass to a, to a forward is on his own. But we really stretched them all game, and it was it was great to see. Uh, we've been talking for so long without me referring to my notes. They just went off. They just the screen just turned off on my iPad. Terrible stuff. Um, let's have a little chat about uh, Joel Ward for Foster Mensa, and we'll talk about Joel Ward's performance. So we we like Foster Mensa. Clearly, got a lot of talent. Um, looks more comfortable at right back than left back, but Dr. Joel Ward's performance yesterday—he's been someone that you, you and I, and probably Joe and probably Tim, have criticised this season. How different was he yesterday? Yeah, it's not only this season; it was last season as well. But yeah. it, it was a great game from you yesterday. He did have William in his pocket, but even even though he done that, I still would have Foster Mensah starting against Newcastle. I know you might say, "Oh, it's weird." He did have a good game, but I just. I feel like his time is up. His time is up. Just like punching, I feel feel like it's now long due that we have to replace him. I don't know. I honestly genuinely feel like if he start with Foster Mensa, it'll be better against Newcastle. But he did have a great game. I think it was his best game, as, uh, including this season and last season. One of his best games. Yeah, tip? Yeah, I thought Ward had an excellent game yesterday. He just did the simple stuff, really. Um, but one thing I did notice yesterday, um, James MacArthur was playing quite close to him. Uh, and I thought they complemented each other really, really well. Um, so they were helping each other out and, you know, backing each other up, basically. And I think yeah. Ward was a lot more confident with that kind of support. That's a great spot. You're absolutely right. He was particularly as soon as we were out of possession and you had one of the forwards tucked back in. MacArthur did kind of come over to that right hand side. But, you know, also you see it, you see it from the moves that we made when we when we scored our first goal. You know, MacArthur was over on that right hand side and, and did a terrific job out there. Uh, but I think... We have talked about that before as well, that Ward tends not to get a huge amount of support. He gets, you know, gets sees a lot of the ball, um, a lot of the attacks come down his side as well, and quite often he is left sort of exposed and on his own. So it's good to see if that's, if that's a sign that you know Roy Hodgson and, and, the, and the management team have spotted that and are working on it, and that's certainly going to help Joel Ward play better. And also it's going to help Fossey Mensah if he gets in ahead of him as well. So no, it's a good spot that, Tim, definitely. Um, so yeah, that was a good shout. And the other, the other sort of selection dilemma we've we've talked about was MacArthur being selected over Jason Punch. And the stat that's rolled out all, you know, is 
pretty much all the time is we'd never won in the Premier League in this most recent sort of five-year spell unless Jason Punch had started. Well, that's now gone. Jason Punch didn't start and we won the game, got him off the bench. Uh, Jill, obviously you talk about you, you know your issues with Punch all the time, but you know, MacArthur hasn't had the best of spells either, um, but looked a lot better yesterday. Well, he came off the end of a, a, a dodgy end of season last season. Um, and we had a great first half, then got injured, then came back, played while injured. Um, and then obviously going through the strife that we, we generally go through until the third or fourth last game of the season. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to have, have, have uh, you know, listen, I think he's one of the most important players in our side. I mean, when he's when he's playing well, in the midfield, the midfield play well. I think um, I think Kabai's comfortable with him, whereas Kabai's not as mobile. You know, Maka still is. Uh, I mean, he's 29, nearly 30 now, but he's still got a great engine can pass him. He's, and again, he was one of the first people that I saw, you know, three years ago, who I thought puts his foot through a ball to pass it to you. And you, you, you're not waiting for the ball to get to you. You know, the ball, he pings it at you, makes you can control the ball. You know, he's, he's genuinely a, a two-touch footballer because he bangs it at you, makes you control it. Then you need, then you need to pass it. And I think yeah. when he's when he's playing, I think and and and, and we're doing okay. You know, he's he, but he's combative as well, which is which is what I like. You know, unlike Punch, I'm afraid. You know, like, he's uh, he's you know he's better in the air. He scores goals. Um, he's got left foot, right foot. He, he doesn't. You know, he's box to box. And um, and if he's been given a new role to to stick close to to Wally, then to help him out, it, it makes them both look good because they both looked good yesterday. Yeah, uh, Tim. Also, I think because he's been playing for Scotland as well um, the last couple of international breaks, he's such an important player for Scotland. That doesn't um, cut anything. It's well, it's, yeah, but it's, team yeah. in Scotland. Yeah, but it's competitive <laughs> games. It's competitive games. He's been playing those extra, like, probably four games. He can uh, get that down at goals in Beckenham. <laughs> but it's definitely improved his fitness. He's definitely looked sharper. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he's definitely, um, that, that's come at the right time for us in playing for Scotland. Well, it's a, um, it's a good sort of place for us to sort of look, take a look at the first goal. Um, obviously, that wasn't the first chance. There was an early chance for, for Wilf, very early on, the uh, ball down the left that uh, Townsend, as he was all game, just putting pressure on David Luiz, running it down. Luiz doesn't quite know how to react, and as such, just he's just that little bit sluggish, and all of a sudden, Townsend's ahead of him and got the ball. Um, and not only that, Wolf's showing great desire to get into the box. He's the only one in there, but Townsend can find him. A lovely little touch from Wolf back through his legs after the initial touch was sort of popped up. So he's, and he, and he almost thinks he's got to shoot then after that first little sort of drag through his legs. You think you've got to shoot then, but he delays it and delays it. You've got Gary Kaye who effectively ended up crawling along the floor in his face, trying to stop the, stop the shot. And in the end, it's uh, it's uh, Wolf drills it and Courtois there to sort of smother it away. And that's the first, sort of sign of real encouragement we get and it's not that long before we actually do go and score uh and it's that little bit as as you talked about tim it's ward getting the support of macarthur on the right hand side the ball eventually pops its way to macarthur just inside on the right edge and he plays a pass that not only confuses the entire chelsea defense but i don't think andros townsend had any idea it was coming his way either uh, but fortunately he is quick and he can react and he just brings that across 
goes towards Kabai. Kabai's first touch is a little bit rough, bounces off a defender, comes back, hits his knee, then bounces off another defender. Uh, and it's an own goal from Aspilicueta in the end, I think. But, uh, but you know, Kabai rightfully runs off celebrating it because uh, it is his knee that knocked it in that direction. So uh, great stuff. The ground obviously erupts and we're thinking, well, finally... That's it, you know. We've got a goal. We can, we can. Don't have to live with this no scoring all season business, all this kind of rubbish. We've got a goal. It's against the champions. And I'll be be honest with you. In my head at that point, I wasn't thinking we're going to go on to win that game. I was just thinking at least we scored, you know. And it's funny that we've left it till we play Chelsea till we actually get a goal. But you know, it was a great moment and. and the initial moment of it going in, I didn't know how to celebrate. It just felt it'd been that long. And then just went absolutely crazy. And it was so nice to be part of a, a crowd celebrating a goal again. It just, it's a beautiful moment. Uh, DR, how did you cope when it went in? Um, I was hugging everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Going around precinct, just hugging everyone I could see. It was just crazy. Like when the goal went in, I just lost my mind. I was like, wait, we scored? And then I just lost my mind. I didn't know what happened afterwards. I just, yeah, I was gone. <laughs> but it's just those moments that you, you kind of miss it's why you support you know it's why you go and support your team and in particular why we support Palace Tim it's one of those typical goals as well isn't it when you when you haven't scored for so long and they always say it goes off someone's backside or something like that it was <laughs> yeah. the typical goal of you know I didn't care let's be honest when it went in I was celebrating like everyone else but then there was that part of the, oh, it had to be an own goal though, didn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know. I'd already thought we'd missed, you know, I thought he's missed it straight away. As soon as it comes across, I'm just like, oh, you know, you just need to get a proper touch on that. And then it sort of just dribbles in. And I just thought, ah, oh, okay. Okay, this day suddenly just got that little bit better. But then, of course, what happens? We, we, were, uh, we were ahead for a few minutes and um, Moses gets in down the right-hand side. PVA manages to stop that ball coming in. And we think, oh, okay, corner, cool, no, not a problem at all. You know, Chelsea aren't particularly huge side. But they did have one particularly huge player in Bakayoko. <laughs> um, corner comes in, just completely unchallenged. And it was a horrible header because, you know, it's ended up going in almost top corner from a bounce. You can see there's, it's just... There's no way you could do anything about that. And it looks looks a soft goal, but it isn't. It's just, it's a very good header. It's a horrible header to defend because you can't do anything about it. It doesn't matter the fact that it's slow. You know, unless Spironi is standing on that post or got a player standing on that post, you're not keeping that out. And I, I know that was picked up on goals on Sunday as well. Uh, the fact we didn't have a player on the post and we could have cost us. But I think the the bigger fault there was Patrick Van Arnholt, unfortunately. Um so, you know, he's he's responsible. Whether he should be responsible for marking Bakayoko, I'm not so sure. You know, it doesn't seem like a, a proper match. You you really want either. Obviously, we don't have a big forward, so you want realistically one of your centre backs to to get involved there, or even someone like Joel Ward, who's got a bit of height on him, um, because you've got to, you've got to have a challenge there. So not only does Van Aanholt get sort of sucked a little bit towards the ball, but as he sort of backs goes back towards the you know the onrushing back Yoko doesn't even jump into him there's no urgency there and you can see it's all over his face once the ball goes goes in the net he can just see he knows it's his fault it's his man you know if he scores that and he's put you've put a challenge in fine but uh you know he, again I, I was talking to uh preview podcast Terence Ford's host no said that wrong preview podcast host Terence Ford I was talking to him after the game and he's 
got a real bee in his bonnet over the positional sense of Patrick Van Arnholt. So get your view on that, Joel. You 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 know, you've seen you know, PVA play a fair few times. Is that a weakness of his being in the being in the right place and knowing knowing you know where to be in that defensive line? Well, there's a, a few people that have, have looked at it and if criticise on a day of joy, but if you look, um, well, firstly, uh, Sacco was going to go with uh, with Bakayoko, but if you if you watch Cahill sneaks in behind, gets his hand and sticks it on uh, on Sacco's the top of his neck and his back, so he stops him and actually he pushes him down, so he stops him from going for it. In front of them is PVA. And if you look at him, he takes half a step back, realises he isn't going to get it, and then shrinks. You watch him, he pulls his shoulder up, waiting to get smashed. Now, that's, that's a, that is poor. It is poor. Um, but I think his positional sense is poor anyway. Um, but like I said, you know, criticise on a, on a day. The only, the only thing I, w- I would criticise him for that, but I would criticise him because he should have had a hat-trick yesterday. Could have had <laughs> yeah, a hat-trick. Really good, you know? yeah. I mean, the, the open yeah. goal he missed was, you know, I'm sure he, you know, I know he, he looked annoyed with himself. Um, he was probably annoyed with himself right away until he got in his Rolls Royce and drove home. Okay. But anyway, I, I'm just... Um, you know, there's, there's a few people in the chat was were saying it was a, a poor goal to concede. Um, you know, blaming him, but but uh, but yeah, it, it does. The consensus does seem to be that it, it was his fault. Yeah, and uh, I'd bring Dr in on this as well. Dr, you got much else to add to that? You know, can, what else can we do better there? I mean, we've got surely we've got to be in a position where you know their midfield giant isn't left on his own with PVA as his marker. But you know, he's still got to do his job, right? Yeah, Chris, but PVA is not one strong and he's he's never been a guy that could go in corners and defend corners against big guys like Bakayoko anyway. So I think corners was, uh, were, if I'm going to be criticising yesterday's performance, something yesterday, it would be corners. We, every time Chelsea had a corner, we looked dodgy. It seemed like we wasn't uh, positioned well and it seemed like sometimes they could just break through. Even with Alonso when in the second half when Spironi made a great save. So I think I wouldn't blame PVA at all. I think we need to address corners this week in training because it was a weak point and we were quite lucky, to be fair. No, you're right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, we, pff, whether or not it's something that you can coach out of someone. You know, Van Arnholtz must be 24 now, 25 maybe. You know, he's been playing the left-back role for a long, long time. We know he's more comfortable going forward, but there's got to be, hopefully, I don't know, but let's say I don't know if you can coach it out of him now, but uh, I know we we talked the other week about uh, the performance at Old Trafford where he was being constantly asked, to, you know, by, by Delaney to sort of adjust his, his defensive position. It's, uh, you know, again, I don't want to dwell on it. As Joe says, when it, after a result that we've just had, a performance we just had, where, you know, he played a part in that, you know, and a decent part in it. But, uh, you know, it does, it is, a, it is a moment for concern. And on another day, you know, what was, what was a great positive start could have actually been ruined by that. We could have seen the confidence evaporate. Um, but as it was, the, the team was that well organised that it was, you know, a little bit of a, a wobbly five minutes after we conceded. But then we just just got back to what we were doing right. 
passing, moving, backing each other up, being really hard to beat, keeping the same distances between players, just a good shape, you know. And, and from that, we we just really kept pushing. And uh, it wasn't that long before the break that, you know, a ball came out to Townsend sort of 20, 25 yards out maybe, and he sort of smashed a left-footed shot. And further, I just, I just thought he was in. I just thought he smashed it into the top corner, but uh, I've seen it from from the highlights from behind, sort of behind the, the strike, if you like, and it's a lot further wide than I thought it was. But I thought that was it. I thought, God, that's our moment. That's that could have been the two-one. Could have taken that in at half time, and that would have been that would have been really difficult for Chelsea to come out in the second half and and then break us down again because they, you know, they had they'd struggled for clear cut opportunities. Um, and I very really quick want to jump back on their opportunities. There was one moment where. A bo- the ball was put over our defence by Fabregas, who I, I mentioned this earlier, Dio, when we were playing FIFA, but Fabregas plays like he's permanently got his... If you play FIFA, it's left bumper and the through pass button. He plays like he's permanently got that pressed. Everything's just like a lofted through ball. But he put one of those over our defence and it just it beat the centre-backs. And it was Joel Ward who just came out of nowhere to hook it clear. And it was that kind of level of concentration and performance from him that just reminds you of when he was at his best and it was great to see but um sort of getting myself off the beaten track there but yeah we obviously created that great chance to thought that was it for us and um just before i talk about the fact that we did actually get that goal before half time dr you've got some comments on facebook uh yeah i've got a question from matthew smith is he's asking is it almost time for papa then should papa replace van anho um it's difficult booty just said that on the in the chat it's a tough call, isn't it? Because you just don't know. You don't know whether Papa Soiree is going to be up for that. There was a lot of what the way it was talked about when he made his competitive return, you know, where Roy was talking about worrying about putting him on, you know, against Huddersfield in the cup. And he did, you know, he did. He saw that game out fine. I think, I think we've got a while before we know that. You know, he's going to have to play an awful lot of reserve, well, under-23 football to come out unscathed for us to be considering him to, to come in. I think it's important. we can't get ahead of ourselves on Suarez. We really can't. It's It shouldn't be underestimated how tough it's going to be for him to get back and play every week. That's, that's all I can really say on that, in my, in my view. Tim? Yeah, I think the worst thing we can do as well is bring him in too early and destroy his confidence. You know, yeah. fin- finish him off because, you know... Yeah, at the moment we could improve that left back spot, but you know it's not that bad. You know, I mean Schlupp could play there if necessary. Um, I think, like I say, it's a bit soon. He needs the games under his belt first. So, so, uh, quick, quick one. Can I drop it? Yep. So when would we bring in Papa? When would we? When like we've got games coming up. Uh, we're approaching. We're not approaching December, but coming December, we've got lots of games. When would we actually bring in Papa? Because I, if it comes to me. Papa is better in the air than Ranano. I think I'm not saying Papa is amazing, but he would have offered something different. So I don't know. I'd rather have Papa in the team than Ranano if you're looking at it that way, because he can defend better than Ranano. But when would you bring him in? For me, is is you know we're not in. I think right now it would have to be a, a crisis to play him at left back, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just mean he, I think he's got to play a good half season of football at, at under twenty three level to make sure that he is back and properly back and able to, you know, cope with the physical demands of, of competitive football, because, 
you know, the Premier League is a very, very unforgiving place. Uh, but not only that, we're talking about his health. It's not just confidence. We don't know. We're not. We're not. We're in on what the medical team know about him. So, I don't know if there's still medical risk, if if not of a you know a, a risk to his injury that he's had potential. Uh, being he's, played, though, he's played. He's played. He's played two two or three under twenty three games. He's played in the. He came on a sub sub in the in the league cup game. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I get that. It's just all I'm all I'm really say, responding to is the kind of message that's been coming out of the club about it is is that he's not that he's still some way off being one hundred percent ready to be considered for selection in the Premier League, and that's that's all I can really sort of read into it. But I, I get where I get where everyone's coming from, right? You know, we, we'll say we're a little uncomfortable with with PVA. Schlupp has had a couple of games where he's been had a real nightmare at left back. He's not someone that I would want to go in there. He doesn't shut down for me. No, exactly. And that was actually happening in the, in the second half as well. It, it, you know, in his left midfield position, he was he was losing um, uh, Zappacosta every time. He, he just just could not stay with him. Um, and that's why he got sub subbed and, and Punch came on to try and do a bit better out there. And that was... So I, th- I think we do have we do have an issue there. Tim is suggesting in our chat, Ward at left-back. Let's not go there again. Uh, although... <laughs> Although, well, <laughs> he, he right back and Ward, and Ward left back, it's it's not as stupid as it sounds. I mean, that's what happened under Pulis, wasn't it? So, yeah. I'm sure. Well, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's a crisis back there at the moment. Yeah, um, could, go yeah could go free at the back. I mean, right, they're passing, they're passing, they're <laughs> oh passing like the ball wanted yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Interestingly, our um, our under 18s under Paddy uh, are playing three at the back. And playing it very, very successfully, top of their league. Um, so that's yeah, that's things are going very, very well there apparently. So just a little bit of a, a little bit of an interesting one. There's some videos and stuff on the the official Palace site. If you haven't seen those, do check them out. Uh, Paddy shaping up, getting that team working really well, shaping up to be a good manager. I'm sure, he'll be in charge of us someday. I'm almost certain of it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the, the 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 second goal, the winning goal that it was. Um, so we have there's a sequence. We actually retweeted it yesterday. If you want to dig through our tweets, there's a sequence of passing, but not just passing. And Jill, I know we've talked about this. We were saying it the other week. We just want to see our team fight, and that's what we saw against Chelsea. And in this passing move, it just encapsulates encapsulates everything. We have some wonderful first-touch passing. We have some great movement. Every time we start to look like losing it, we put in a proper challenge to win it back. And it ends up with you know, what potentially we'll talk about in a moment, whether it was a foul or not. But it ends up with Sacco playing the ball forward, it being headed back towards him. And he's not giving it up. He goes straight through William to take the ball. And not only that, he's forward-thinking enough to play in Zaha. And it's Zaha's first touch, which is fabulous and every time you see it it gets better and better and better because it just takes Aspilicueta out of the game completely out of the game and then the, the shift and finish on the right foot is just it's perfection you know he talks about not being confident in front of goal that was a beautiful finish that was a Thierry Henry sort of esque finish absolutely magnificent and that shows you how much we'd been missing Wolf and it was a glorious moment and DR did you go similarly mental when that one went in uh, yeah, even more mental. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was a it was a sucker type of, of um, tackle. 
he just jumped straight in, got the ball off Willian and done a great pass. But you have to give credit to Wilfred. The way he went past Aspilicueta and the way he slowed it in was absolutely fantastic. And I don't know what he has to do to get rated by other Premier League teams. I feel like everyone, when it comes to Wilfred, they talk about him diving than his actual talent, which is disappointing. But hopefully he'll prove them wrong if he continues playing like this. Well, that that was uh, mentioned again in some, some pub chat after the game. Um where was, we're talking about Wilf and that that first touch, and maybe a couple of years ago, he sort of takes that touch between the defenders and, and looks for the contact. Maybe to, you know, maybe falls to the floor a little bit too easy. I never said he's a, I would never call him a diver as such, but you know, he would certainly look for the foul um, where he could get it rather than back himself to score sometimes. And I think that's that's a sign of him growing up and maturing as a player. I think um, he's he's sort of. He's seen that opportunity. He's seen with the skill that he has, and that you know he can just take one touch and just put himself in. And I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't think he was going to score from that position. And when he did, well, it was, uh, it was like the good old days at the back of the Arthur. I can tell you that much. Got a real clock, really clocked hard in the face with during the celebrations, which that hasn't happened in a while, and sort of an enjoyable pain still hurts now. Tim, yeah, I was watching um, Football Focus before leaving yesterday, which nearly made us a bit late, but. But Wilf came across then as so confident in his own ability now um, that, you know, what you've just said, really, he now has that belief that he will get past the man and get himself into that position. Um, and he's just thriving on it, to be honest. So, you know, after hearing that, it, it, it didn't surprise me that, you know, he'd have a go in that position. Yeah, again, and it's, and it's that's a superb interview. I think most people have seen it now. and You saw a lot of reaction from, from non-Palace fans on Twitter suddenly going, oh, wow, you know, Wolf Saha seems like a really nice kid and, a, you know, a really pleasant, confident person. It's, you know, what a surprise that is. He doesn't, he doesn't seem like the petulant, sulky person that he is on the pitch. And he referenced that himself. He says, like, he never smiles on the pitch, but as soon as you get him off the pitch, he's, he's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. And you can... You can see, you know, all that stuff about him, you know, needing to be loved and being a confidence player. I think that in itself had a, had an effect on the crowd because, you know, his name was being sung louder than anyone's before kickoff, you know, other than perhaps Jules. And uh, throughout the game, he got he got the you know the Zaha chance as loud as ever. And I think, you know, for him to get through the ninety minutes, he needed that from us as well. But it was just an all round superb performance for him. But that goal, you know, that goal was just special really really special uh, but he wasn't the only one and we'll talk an awful lot about uh, the standout performances before we finish as well so let's just uh, I mean obviously that's that's this, the goals out of the way um, you know effectively effectively that's that's game one but we had to do a lot in the second half and it wasn't as pretty you know we weren't we weren't passing and moving quite so well there were spells in that second half where we quite just didn't know really how to hang on to the ball. But what we did do is keep our shape and everyone backed their teammates. And where one person lost possession, there was someone there to put a foot in it. And, you know, there were a lot of players that could take a lot of credit out of the, out of the game. Um, but I want to pick out Scott Dan, if I may. Because, you know, Sacco was great, barring something we'll talk about a bit later. <laughs> but, um, but Scott Dan just, he looked... First of all, he, play, he, he was a captain, you know, he he was very animated in how he was talking to his back line and how he was talking to the players ahead of him. He was extremely animated, which was great to see. Uh, but he just had that calm air of authority about him, that kind of, you know, 
he's looked a little panicked when we've seen him for the last probably the last six months or so in a Palace shirt. He's just lost a little bit of that composure, and it just came back yesterday. Whether that's confidence, I'm not too sure. Whether that's having Sacco next to him, maybe he's got the belief in his his defensive partner. Maybe it's having Julian Speroni behind him. I'm, I'm not so sure, but there's something. There was something different about him yesterday, and he suddenly. I saw a comment. I think it was from Carl Babs on Twitter, who said uh, watching Scott Dan yesterday reminded me of a player we had two years ago called Scott Dan. It was, <laughs> which was a really, really good comment because it was exactly that. Yeah, yeah. I honestly think it's Speroni. I genuinely do think it's Speroni because yeah, when Scott Dan was fantastic before, Hennessy was behind him, but. I don't think there was confidence between the defence line and the goalkeeper. And it's been an issue. Yesterday, I did see shouts where Spironi was saying it's mine and he did get it and Scott Dan left it. There was there was confidence in the defence line. And honestly, genuinely feel like it was Spironi because he, he is vocal. He's, he, he will say what was needed. And it did help out the defence line. They knew what to do. They knew the threats. And yeah, I think Spironi played a fantastic part in that. And hopefully we see more of that. Well, let's talk about Spironi because he's obviously he's coming for, for Hennessy. He's had an awful lot of stick. And, you know, the, again, conversation after the game, we were talking a lot about, um, you know, how, how really did Jules play? Because everyone was so happy to see him. Everyone was delighted for him to play. But how really did he get on? And, you know, when I looked back, looked back at it, I was thinking to myself, well, there were a couple of moments, really. So he couldn't have done anything else for the goal. But... If Hennessy had ended up in that position in the back of the net, nowhere near the ball, would I criticise him? I'm not sure. Uh, I might have done. And there were a couple, excuse me, a couple of moments where you know Pedro's had a shot and it's just rebounded out of Spironi's midriff, got went away from the goal. So in, in a sense, it's a good save. But in another sense, would I have criticised Hennessy for not handling it? You know, the save from the I think it was can't remember who it is now. It was a head, there's a header on goal in the second half where he sort of had a, a couple of grabs at it to save it. To me, that was a great save. But then I'm thinking, if Hennessy does that, am I predisposed to thinking he should have held the first shot and he were very lucky to get away with it? So I was kind of running all of that through my head throughout the course of the uh, sort of reviewing his performance. But the bottom line was, he was better. You know, he, he wasn't vintage Julian Speroni. You know, you only have to look at Fabregas's shot that comes off the top of the bar that... Okay, he's probably ne- even at his best. He's never getting near it, but he was a long way off it. You know, he's <laughs> a long way off getting anywhere near that. Do you think and so? I do. Yeah, he made. A, he actually made a really great save for from one that was offside in the first half, down down low at his to it to his right, sort of flicked it away, got it right away. But you know, there were there were moments in there. But then I kind of talked myself out of it because I thought Wayne Wayne Hennessy has had best part of what sixty games, I guess to to get these kind of things out of his game where Jules is coming in after not playing much and he's going to have little moments where the handling isn't quite a hundred percent and his distribution might not be brilliant. You know, he's going to have those little moments because he hasn't played much, but you know, when I look at the performance that he gave yesterday and I look at the way the defense played around him, he's he at this moment in one in, in time for me is the number one goalkeeper at the club and should stay in that position. Tim, yeah, I must admit, I was a bit nervous for him yesterday because, in a way, he kind of had everything to lose. Because if, if we'd have conceded three or four goals, it would have been a disaster, probably. But having said that, what he did kind of, he made that little mistake at one point in the first half, we kicked it straight into touch. And I thought, like you, yeah, crikey, if that had been Hennessy, the crowd would have got on his back. And But because it was Jules, 
you know, he, he was just forgiven and, and we all just got on with it and um, it was no problem. And I think, I don't know, maybe the crowd were more positive because Jules was there. Um, rather than if it had been Hennessy doing the same thing, it would have been a bit of like the old groans coming out from behind the goal. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought he, he had his moments, but in the day, we won the game and you saw how delighted he was at the end and, and he was always talking to the players. I mean, he put his arm around MacArthur when we conceded and sort of like, you know, turned to get his head up and, you know, I, th- I don't think you can underestimate the role he plays back there in terms of motivating the players. Joe? Uh, right, so into the chat room, um, King B said Jules made some vital saves just like in 2014 when John Terry scored for us which is nice um, <laughs> he commanded brilliantly and organising the, the defence Wayne wouldn't have done anything about uh, any of that um, Booted Eagle said neither keep his ideal at the moment um, Ash Eagle uh, turned around and said uh, I remember Spironi performed brilliantly when we beat Chelsea 1-0 in 2014 uh, Booted again said a goalie and striker weren't sorted out in the summer, which we already know. Cool Eagle said Chelsea's goal was no way Spironi's uh, fault. Uh, should have been a player on the line at corners. Um, so yeah, but again, basic, basic. Um, but I think I think the the uh, the consensus is from from everybody is that Jules talks to the back four and Wayne doesn't. And um, it, it looked like you know when instead of being a blind panic which it really really has been a, a lot of the time with Hennessy in goal you know the, the defenders panicking it it seemed to be you know cool calm and collected yesterday in the in the face of of you know quite literal brilliance in front of them because most of the chelsea players are quite brilliant um but but to being you know being calm and and methodical, and that's 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 the other thing as well. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it, but to the point where they were that laid back, you know, Sacco did almost the unforgivable. <laughs> well, let's uh, we're going to go there in just a moment. Just the only other thing I wanted to bring up, we have talked about, so we can go there almost in a moment. But it was the miss from Van Arnholt, where obviously Townsend's got himself free in a, in a great position in. You know, outside the area, taking a shot that's a little bit too central, but Courtois has spilled it. And there was some really good, and I'm going to praise him first because there's some great movement from Van Arnold because he's played a part. He's in central midfield, which again takes you back to his positioning, but he's in the central midfield anyway. And he's played a part in the move that gets Townsend free to, to have that shot, but he's just switched on. And he's, he's seen Townsend shaping for it, and he's already sprinting, and he knows he's going to get there. And I watched it, you know, when I, you know, when I was sort of up the back of the Arthur, I was watching him. I don't know, I don't know why I spotted him because I should have been, usually would have been following the ball, but I spotted, spotted him running an absolute full pelt, and I thought, oh, he's going to get there, and he's, he's got a tap in. So I was almost up on my feet. Well, I was up on my feet anyway because I don't sit down, but I was almost jumping up in the air to celebrate when I saw it before he even got near the ball. And he's just when he's side footed that wide, it's a horrible moment because you know. He could have taken a touch and just slotted that in. It's it's actually a relatively easy chance, even though he's running at full pelt. And we kill the game then. And you just you fear what happens after a miss like that. You fear they're going to go up the other end and score. And what happens? Well, they don't. But but we put them damn close because Sacco, um, the guy, the guy, uh, guy next to me, uh, Stefan, called it a FIFA glitch. Where it's like your, you know, your defender in FIFA just suddenly goes insane and just back here or something into the opposition player. But he does, he, he was calm 
And then he just, I don't know what he wanted to do. And he could see it in his head afterwards. You know, Scott Dan gave him a sort of little hug. It was, you'd expect him to shout at him, but I think he was just so, you could see that, that, that Sacco was just so kind of bewildered by his own insanity. And it's not like he had done it three or four times at the other end of the pitch as well, Sacco. He gave the ball away a couple of times doing very, very similar crazy moves. But, you know, again, harping, harping back to what, what uh, Terence said to me after the game, he, he said, "You know, you want you want to say to Sacco, that's why you're not playing for Liverpool anymore, anymore, mate." And I and I sort of thought, well, but I want to say to Sacco, that, well, that's why you're playing at Palace, mate. Carry on, because otherwise we'll lose you. Carry on doing that. <laughs> I can cope with that if it means we get to keep you, uh, because he was superb once again. Uh, any more views on that? I haven't asked any of you specifically, but I'm sure heart and mouth moment for you, Tim. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to get a goal kick out of it by knocking it against the forward, but it was just way too casual. And um, I honestly thought it was in. I thought it was bottom corner. Um, my heart sank, if I'm honest, and, and I thought that was it. But at that moment, I thought, actually, we might do this now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the moment when he thought you, we might. just Yeah, we might just sneak this. A couple of minutes before the end, we're going to sneak this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but nah, nah, it, was, it was good. It was good. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be Palace if we didn't have that little bit of a... Exactly. Terror right at the end, would it? Can, uh, can, I, so, can I? You've been pulled um, by Jay Dog on uh, in the in the chat. Oh, um, he just said he was. He's worth. <laughs> I've just I've just done him really. He said he's he's a he's hugely behind on on whatever he's listening. So I just said, well, we've we've finished and gone home. Sorry, mate. And, <laughs> and he just, but he actually said, oh shit. But anyway, he said um, basically um, on the Fabregas shot, he said you're talking bollocks. Um, oh. That's exactly what he said. Um, oh. He said he did okay. Um, you can't drop. Jules. Um, no, no, no. I, th- I anyway. think if he, when, he, when he catches up, he realise I did say that, <laughs> that I, he's our number one. But so anyway, no, but just, said, just, just, yeah. Just to sum up, he said, just to sum up, because I've obviously I've sold him the show's finished and we haven't. But he <laughs> says, like, okay, to sum up, we were fab. We made the champions look ordinary. Conte, Conte, uh, Conte is a miserable bastard. Bring on Newcastle. Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> Roy has given us hope. The bastard. <laughs> good stuff from j-dog there yeah look, I'll, I'll leave it i could argue all day about the point i was trying to make but i won't um but let's um i want to run through a couple of other performances just oh, they're gonna be quick because technically speaking we've got a minute left we're obviously gonna overrun but not not by a huge amount but um so some performances of note for me so andros townsend let's uh we'll probably come back to him um so we've talked scott dan i thought he was absolutely superb luca Luka Milivojevic, um, back to his best for me. I, I think he was superb, he, even to the point of knowing exactly when to foul properly <laughs> and to pick up his yellow card, which I thought was actually a little harsh in the end, but I think he collects a few similar type of fouls, so he's always going to get that booking. But um, he was just he was better on the ball. Took a, took a risk too, much, too many a couple of times, uh, which is something we've got to look into in his game because I think where he has struggled at the start of the season, he was doing that. He was sort of taking an extra touch and getting caught in possession. And it happened a couple of times in the second half, but generally speaking, his screening job was superb. Always an option for the pass, calm in possession, great passing ability himself. Um, and it just helped ev- everything. He was, I think that he looked happy, you know, and content and comfortable for the first time in a long while as well, which was was really pleasing to see. And you'd go along with that, wouldn't you, Joe? Good when Luca's at his best, we we play well. Without a doubt, like I said, you know, it, it just looks like he 
it just looks like a, a, a quality, a, a different level to... Uh, if you compare him to, to... Just compare him to Jedi. Yeah. He can head the ball, he can pass the ball, he can tackle. You know, he is... He just seems like he just seems like he's fitted into his shoes for me. You know, um, I really like him. I like him as much as I like Jedinek, and I, I, I just see him as a leader. I just I just feel like he needs to just get used to the game a little bit more over here. You know, he'll grow in, he'll grow into our side. I really I really really like him. I think we're we're you know much more settled with with you know him Kabai. Um, especially him and Kabai because they both got football brains. Yeah, and I do think we uh, we see the future a little bit because you know we know Kabai could be probably likely to be his last season in a Palace shirt, um, and I really like the look of uh, Riedervald to come in, you know, and, and replace him because I think you know if if he can spend this season kind of learning the role that Kabai plays in our team. I think that that he'll come in and be even more of a driving force. And I look at a midfield, you know, two of having Iluka and and uh, Riedervald together, and then any one of whoever we get to play the sort of more attacking role in that. If it's somewhere if we could ever keep Loftus Cheek, that would be brilliant. But uh, but I really really like the look of him to come in, you know, in, in the future as as Kabai moves on. But Kabai did a you know, he did a really good job yesterday and that was his probably his best game in a while. And he again he looked happier and he looked more comfortable in the team. And you can see the job that the, the, the staff have done with him. They've worked with him really, really hard over the last few weeks. And that's why, you know, we came out of this international break. We were a different team. We absolutely it was watching a different team. It was it was an incredible turnaround. Dear. Yeah, I think now punching is dropped, I think the captaincy is gonna have to be passed on to someone and I don't know who should get I think Luca would do a better job than Scott Dan I don't know I don't know what other people think but I could see Luca being our next captain I you know people have, have, have said that before and uh, I'd be happy with that but again I go back to the ducky comments of having you know a lot of leaders in the squad and it essentially not really ma- mattering who is the actual captain because everyone everyone kind of leads each other and you have, you might have a club captain like Paddy was club captain for years without playing through injury. So, you know, that's kind of how I feel on it, but on the pitch, you, you want as many leaders as you can get. And Lucas certainly is one of those. You can see it, you know, he's a very, very confident player, very, very good player, but he's, he's also got that steel and that fight that we like. And again, I hark back to it. We talked about it when we lost to, to Man U and how we don't, we can handle losing, but what we can't handle is having no fight. And that, you know, this this game was the perfect antidote to that because we got fight as well as a tremendous game of football. And, uh, you know, I really couldn't be happier with it. So let's talk about man of the match time. So I'm, I'm going to go out on a little bit what I'm going to say because I've seen a lot of, of comments and various different players nominated, but one who's really dominating it. And it's it's not the one I would pick. So, Dion, can I start with you? You mentioned that on Facebook there was a fair few suggestions. Or do you need a bit of time to... To pull those together. Yeah, I've got, I've got it together. I can go. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been mixed. I'm oddly surprised. Kabai hasn't got many. Um, Daniel Perkins said Townsend, man of the match. Colin has said uh, Zar, but all of them are great. It's a team effort. Uh, Ma- uh, Michael says Zar, Townsend. Matthew said Zaha. James has said Zaha, and David said Kabai. 
told us that the whole team. Well, yeah, it's quite weird. Um, I'd I'd say Luca had a really good game as well, but no one mentioned Luca. No, well, we got we did get a tweet in earlier. Um, I've dropped my phone, so I can't remember who it was from. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, it was Martin Leary. Thank you, Martin. Luca was uh, outstanding. Martin saying there, so he's obviously putting Luca forward. Uh, so give you a little rundown of what's happened over on the BBS with the match ratings. Uh, so it was uh, Zaha got man of the match, and actually he would have been. He is my man of the match as well uh, because he was the spark for me, and that doesn't detract from the brilliance of some others and you know Kabai, Luca, Andros and Wolf all had tremendous games Dan was excellent Sacco was great in the majority uh, of, of what he did um, you know Sproni was decent but Ward Ward again was excellent pushing his pushing for man of the match there but go, going on to the BBS you've got Zaha dominant 41.77% Townsend second with 31.77% and then the nearest challenger to those was uh, was Kabai with five, uh, with eight percent, and uh, similar for Luca as well. So you know, most people going for one of Townsend or Zaha. And who do we who do we think um, on the panel here? What, what, what do we reckon? Joey was yours. Ah, oh, Zaha, just talisman for us. Um, in the chat, Glenn F said Townsend, which is nuts off for the team. J Dog said, uh, "Oh, you haven't gone home yet. Assuming this isn't next week's pod, <laughs> Townsend." <laughs> Um, so yeah, Townsend's he's got a couple in here, but but Will for me just just is Palace, isn't he? Yeah, Tim, I'd go for Townsend. Um, as much as Wilf had a brilliant game, I think he had a brilliant game because of the support from Townsend. I think that they complemented each other well. And and basically, when Will's legs had gone in the second half, Townsend was still running up and down the field, um, doing everything that he was doing brilliantly. Um, so I mean, I. One thing I wouldn't mind talking about, do you not think Will should have been taken off perhaps 15, 20 minutes to go? I was really surprised he kind of stayed on for the for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, do you know, I thought about that, and I, and I think the only reason it happened was because one of the subs, which was taking Jeff Schlupp off uh, for punching, wasn't planned, and it was because uh, Zappa Costa was absolutely destroyed us down that side, overlapping. And Schlupp just kept kept failing to keep up with him. Now I know there were substitutes that happened after that, um, but it, you know I just I just felt that was the kind of unplanned change that meant that Wilf had to stay on. But it's a dangerous game, isn't it? You know he, he trained fully for two weeks, but he was absolutely knackered. But one thing I would say is with two minutes to go in injury time. He shoulders <laughs> shoulders uh, <laughs> Zappa Costa off the ball and nearly puts in Fossey Mansour for a goal. So you're kind of like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I thought he was going to prove me completely wrong with uh, that kind of thing, you know, setting up the third goal that kills the game off. But I don't know, you just always worry he's going to take a knock or whatever and then he's out for another few weeks and it's, you know, you lose him again. Okay. Um, just before we go to Joe, I want DR to give us his man of the match. I don't know if you were clear on that. Who was it you were picking? I t- it's a hard one, but uh, it's either Zaha Luca. I'll go with Luca. I think he was actually really, really good yesterday. He was bossing the midfield. Uh, but Zaha, everyone, it's a hard one. I'll, I'll go with Luca. I'm just going to go with Luca. Fair play, mate. Um, I, I do want to, obviously, I want to say Zaha as well. But, I mean, I want to take a moment to say that Andros Townsend was, was superb. And for me, he's someone who, he joined us and I had really high hopes for him. And then I felt... 
I did, I'll be honest, I felt really let down um, by how he performed and, you know, the, what, what seemed like the effort that he was putting in. Um, but, uh, you know, as as it turned out, when Sammy Lee came in and, and you know, obviously Sam Allardyce came in and they got him fit, it, it turned out that it was just, it was the regime that he was under with, with Pardew just didn't seem to fit him and he, and he just wasn't fit and he wasn't raring to go like he was uh, later on. But the player he is now, and you know, he did it a few times last season, but the, the effort, the running, and also the quality that we saw from him uh, against Chelsea was absolutely outstanding. And, you know, for me, there's there was, you know, next to nothing between Wilf um, and, uh, and, and Andrus, other than the fact that Wilf, just for me, was just the spark. And, and for that finish, that's why he gets man of the match. Uh, just before we leave, we're going to have a Hamblings Ramblings in just a minute. It's... I didn't really have anything to get angry about this week, but you'll see. Um, but just before we do that, Joel's got one last little point to make. It's not a point. It's more of a, a an observation. Um, only because I've, I've, I love it when Wilf plays out front. And I think that this is probably going to be Ben Tecky's last season with us. Otherwise, we're going to need to offer him another huge contract, which I'm not sure is going to happen. But I'm going to stick this out there that I'd love Wilf to play out front for us if we're not going to be hoofing balls in for headers. Um, and I'd like to buy Balassi back. I think yeah. if we can keep Andros on one side, Balassi on the other, and Wilf up front, I'd, I, I, and, and we need, I think we've got enough goalkeepers. We've got enough centre-backs. We get our players fit. We need a goalkeeper and one other attacker. If, we haven't, if we're not legitimately going to have a number 10, then, then I'd love to see Balassi back. I think if we could... Oh, that just excites me. The way the way he carries on on social media, he'd probably be happy to come back. I, think. I know, I know. He's definitely still a Palace boy, isn't he? So um, yeah, without a doubt. And I think, and he just, you know, I I don't think he's just like a lad thing, but I just he just he just has an affinity with our players that I don't see him doing with with the other Everton players. Yeah. Well, well, who knows if it'll be a possibility? Obviously, Everton have gone out and spent a lot of money, but they're absolutely atrocious at the moment. Couldn't even beat Brighton today, which is a shambolic state of affairs. <laughs> so, uh, just had to say that. Sorry. But anyway, but, uh, someone else I can't remember, and I think it was Jane. Some, I think it was Jane on Twitter. Someone and said, and I said, unbelievably, I was going to say that on on the whole radio tonight. So, if I've got a name wrong, I'm really sorry. I might get next week. Blame blame your age if you get it wrong. Oh. Yeah. Right, so uh, next, well, we're actually we're going to sort of play you out with a Hamblings Ramblings, and after that, you can hear our sort of goodbye jingle, whatever that'll be. Uh, hopefully, Sam's got it all lined up. I mean, she probably has. She's been professional. She's given us time checks throughout this. I mean, what the hell was that about? Time checks? You've been you've been on air for forty five minutes. I don't need to know that. You know, it's not like we've overrun by eleven minutes already, is it? You know, why would I need to know how long we've been on? Uh, I am rambling, but that is, of course, to ensure that Sam does have time to line it all up. So let me just check. Are you ready, Sam? Silence. Three, two. Yes, one. she's ready. Okay, thank you, everyone. I'm not going to come back after this. None of us are. So uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget, Terence is going to actually bother doing a preview show this week. So do download that in the midweek. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday. I'm going to be trying to sort of review a Newcastle game that I'm at but I'm doing two nights out in Newcastle during it so I don't know if I'm going to be alive fingers crossed but I'll speak to you then bye bye
Sampling's gone all ranty Something's really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words Like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated The air is turning blue The refs have cut The players are And guess what? So are you He'll whine about the tactics The substitutes and such But please don't get him started On Jordan much So uh, another Hamlet's Ramblings this week, and I think it's going to be pretty easy, isn't it? Because, you know, every week it's the same, I've got something to get angry about. But the truth of the matter is, because of how Palace have played this season, it's actually pretty difficult to, uh, you know, to prepare something for, for the unprepared, if you know what I mean. You know, there's no way I expected us to actually go and beat Chelsea. Everyone says typical Palace, you know, but it's not, not really, not this season. We haven't been typical anything this season. And so I'm left with... Uh, you know, it's quarter past seven, go live at eight o'clock trying to do recording. And I've got nothing to be angry about, you know. I've got, you know, I've got, I've got all these things running, running through my head and, 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 you know, Joel Ward played well. Why can't, I can't rant about Joel Ward. Wayne Hennessy didn't play, so, you know, he's safe. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, punching didn't start, but even when he came off the bench, he, you know, he was all right, he was fine, you know, so so what do I say? I mean, this is absolutely typical of Palace, isn't it? You try really, really hard every week to have something to rant about, and then they come along and they give you nothing. I've just got nothing to rant about. I mean, honestly, I, mean, you know, I could, I could, I could, I suppose I could rant about the fact that we didn't score more goals, didn't take our chances, you know, but the truth of the matter is, we played the champ. And we out footballed them. I suppose the best thing I can get angry about is why wait till now? Why do we have to watch what we've watched against Huddersfield? What we fought against what we did against Swansea? What we did against Burnley? Why do I have to put up with that when we can play like this? We're gonna out football the champions. Absolutely pathetic. Sort yourselves out. Chris Hambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue The refs have come, the players are, and guess what, so are you He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such But please don't get him started on Jordan much the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.